Well, I am so grateful again just to be here. Anytime I get the opportunity uh, to speak with you guys, man, it just, it blesses me. I really do. I love you guys. I love Monday. It's a great time. And uh, tonight's message is one uh, that I struggled with for a long time. And to be quite honest, I still struggle with it at times. And so I want to start off with a story um, that makes me look really bad. Those are probably your favorite kind. Um, <laughs> But in high stress, um, I don't know about you, in high stress, this is what I do. I become really critical of other people, um, and I demand perfection around me. And so a lot of you will encounter me here, and uh, I'm pretty easygoing. You're like, ah, oh, he's kind of chaotic and just full of energy. And so if you get to know me in other situations, you learn that in those, those other moments where things maybe aren't going the way I want them to, or I, I've bitten off more than I can chew, which is almost a daily thing because I'm kind of like a workaholic and I don't know how to rest or relax. Um, so as I take those things on, then I get in these moments, these situations where um, I'm really hard-nosed. Um, I'm very strict with my kids and just my family in general. Um, I, I demand perfection in, in, in everything. And in a, when I really get in those moments, this is what I do. You guys probably don't do this, but I go around my house griping about everything that's out of place. And so I've got seven people to vent at. And so I go pretty much from person to person and, and start like, you know, what the heck is this like this for? You know, and they're like, what are you like? What's wrong with you? Like, did you just have a mental breakdown? Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things. And, and I'm just like that. And so the other day I was having one of these. And so I believe it was after church, which, you know, that's the day I should be the holiest, right? I mean, I just got out of service. You know, what could be going wrong? I just spent all morning with Jesus. Jesus and a bunch of kids down there. It was just a great day. And so um, I'm sitting down and Sundays after church, I, I take a couple hours just for myself. Usually I sit and just kind of don't do anything. And then I start working on, on this, you know, my, my Monday stuff and getting that in order. And uh, this particular Sunday, I was just like kind of in a mood. And so I'm, I'm really critical. I'm really sure. And my sweet wife is just trying to like love on me and talk to me. And uh, man, I'm being like the biggest butt ever. And so she, she looks at me and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing wrong with me. What's wrong with you? I'm just sitting here minding my own business. And so this just kind of I know, it just kind of continues, it kind of continues, and then she's like, man, you're being such a jerk, except she didn't use jerk, it started with a D, and all the other letters um, <laughs> past the D were um, definitely not E-R-K, so, and so, to be honest, there was no other word to describe me in that moment, it really was the only word that really, really fit the, the kind of husband I was being, and so... Um, in, in all of my maturity, um, I left the house for like the next five hours. And so um, I came up to my office here to, to work and then came back and, you know, kind of had to apologize to my wife. And we worked things out. It was great. Um, obviously, she's still here with me and married. So it's just, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's the, here was the problem in that. Yeah, here was the problem in that. It, it wasn't that, you know, life was stressful and it, it really wasn't even my failure in that moment to do what I was supposed to do because we all, we're all gonna encounter that. No matter what happens, you're gonna, you're gonna hit those moments where you fall short because we all do. You know what the real problem was? I didn't own it. That my wife called me out in a very mature way without screaming at me or anything and just like, you know, what's going on with you? Like, why are you being this way? And in that moment, I had an opportunity to correct my whole afternoon and what would have been my evening if I would have just owned the situation and taken responsibility for my actions and said, you know what, honey, I'm just, I'm not okay right now. 
I'm stressed out. I've got a lot on my plate. These things are going on. And you know what my wife would have done in that moment? She would have loved me. She would have journeyed with me the exact thing that she was endeavoring to do. But instead, I was like, I've got this. And then I word vomited into the situation and just went on with life, hurting people around me. You guys ever do that? Nobody does that, right? And so we have to learn to take responsibility. And when we take responsibility, we begin to take control of our lives. And so tonight's message is called this, Taking Back control, taking back control. And I want to talk about, I want to talk about personal responsibility. And personal responsibility is one of those things that nobody likes to talk about, personal responsibility. But responsibility, it's really easy when the reward's great. You know, if my wife would have came into the living rooms like, you know, who did the dishes in the laundry? And if I had done that, I'd be like, that's me, honey. Like, look how great I am, you know? I, I, who, we all want to take responsibility for the good things, like the great things, for the successes, because the things that are, are good in our lives, the things that we do right, there's a great reward for that, isn't there? And with that great reward, we want, we want to be recognized, we want to be praised, and we like that. But taking responsibility is really hard when you fail. When it's all out there for everybody to see, and everybody knows that um, you were you were a dirk, right? <laughs> and so, in those moments, in those moments, nobody wants to own that. I don't want to own that. I know you guys don't want to own that because there's no reward. Nobody's praising your name in those situations. They might be screaming it, but it's not in a good way. And so we've got to learn to take responsibility even when it's difficult, even when there's consequences. And so responsibility is so much more than just saying, I'll be accountable. And that's what we view it as. Responsibility is I'm going to be accountable to somebody um, for the things that I've done, like, or the, the, the good things or the bad things, and I'm going to let somebody speak into my life, or somebody's going to recognize that, and I'm going to be responsible for that. But responsibility is so much more than that. It's saying this. It's saying I'm ready to be set apart, that I'm ready to be set apart in life. I'm ready to be set apart in my marriage. I'm ready to be set apart in the community. And what I mean by that is when we look at our kids, when is the moment that you begin to recognize a child as an adult? When they step into maturity and, and, and they take responsibility for things, right? And so the same is true for us, even in our adult life, that if we want to be set apart, whatever your situation is, where, wherever you're spending most of your time, again, whether it's at work or at home or at church, if you want to be set apart, it's by taking responsibility, not just for the good things, but for the bad things too. Not just for the things that you've done right, but for your failures. And so I mean, to drive this home, I want to share a couple quotes with you guys. The first is from Winston Churchill. And so Winston Churchill, he knew a thing or two about greatness. And he said this, he said, the price of greatness is responsibility. The price of greatness is responsibility. And so Winston Churchill, he was the prime minister um, um, during World War II in England. And so he, he led Europe, that part of Europe, um, to victory. He took responsibility for a, a country in one of the most brutal wars we've ever had. And he was criticized for things, but ultimately he owned it. And because of that, even now, over 80 years later, about 80 years later, we still recognize him as a great man. And so he said, again, he said, the price of greatness is responsibility, owning failures, which he had some of, and victories, which he had some of. And, and when we learn to do that, that sets us apart. I know in my marriage that, that when I own the things that my wife brings to me that, that are so glamorous, and I recognize those, well, my day goes better, our relationship grows stronger, and I'm set apart as a husband in my wife's eyes. The last thing she looks at is my failure in that moment, and she looks at my maturity and says, 
Yeah, thank you for journeying with me. I know at work that, that when I'm at my job, the thing that sets me apart is not doing everything right. It's been, being willing to, to own my failures and say, I've messed up here, help me grow. And so the price of greatness is responsibility. If you want to be set apart, we have to begin to learn to take responsibility for our lives. And it's, it's not only saying I'm ready to be set, set apart, it's saying this, that I'm ready to be free. And so I want to share with you another quote. Named, uh, this is from a guy named Scott Stable. Um, he's an inspirational writer. If you've never heard of him, I hadn't either. Um, to be honest, I was just kind of Googling some quotes for responsibility. I came across this one. It's great. I love Google. You guys love Google. Um, <laughs> but this is gold. I love it. He says this, making someone responsible for your misery also makes them responsible for your happiness. Why give that power to anyone but yourself? And so what that's saying is there's things that happen in our lives, um, might be trauma, maybe your spouse is, acts like me sometimes, and then you, you act another way in response to that. And what you've done is you've not taken responsibility for what you've done, and you've blamed them for your actions. So that's what he's talking about here. Scott's talking about that. Again, making somebody responsible for your misery, saying, well, I reacted this way because you... Well, I'm in this situation because you. Well, I yelled, I cussed, I screamed, I did this because of you. Well, that's making somebody responsible for your misery, and in turn, they're responsible for your happiness. And so if we want to take back control, if we want freedom in those things, we have to begin to own the things that we've done. Stop blaming the people around you. Stop, stop pointing the finger at your spouse, at your coworkers, at your children, at whoever it is, your neighbor, and begin to own the things in our lives. And, and that's what sets us apart. And that's what allows us to be free. One more as we're moving on. And uh, so it's saying again that I'm ready to take back control over my life, that my action, of my actions and my attitude. And it's also saying this, that I'm ready to be free. And so this last quote's from a guy named Richie Norton. And he said this, when you choose freedom, you also choose responsibility. That, and I don't know about me, my personality type is I want to be free. I don't want anybody holding anything over me. And, and I want freedom in all areas. Well, the price of that freedom is responsibility. Because anytime I fail to take responsibility, I've given somebody an element of control over my life. And so that's, again, what we want to talk about. That responsibility is so much more than accountability. So much more than that. It's the opportunity to live free. Of, of other people's choices, of other people's mistakes. It's the opportunity to be free of situations that you caused or you didn't cause. But if you want to walk in freedom, if you want to take back control, you got to begin to take responsibility for your actions, for the things that you've done, regardless of what they did, regardless of what they pushed you to. And I get this. There's things that happen to us that are real. They're, they're, it's trauma. It's pain. But the choices you made after are yours completely. You got to learn to own those. You got to begin to walk in the freedom that comes with saying, you know what, you did this, but I'm going to choose to do this tomorrow. I'm going to choose to walk differently, talk differently. I'm going to choose to pursue something different. And when we do that, we're walking in responsibility and we're walking in freedom. And point number one is this, responsibility starts with owning our mistakes. So point number one, again, responsibility starts with owning our mistakes. And that's scary, isn't it? It's scary because owning your mistakes is this. You have to admit that you've messed up. That, and when we admit we messed up, we, we admit that we're not perfect. We admit that we failed. Anybody in here struggle with that? It's the thing that I hate probably more than anything. I don't want people to know that I'm not perfect. 
which is funny because there's not a single person that is. And, exactly. and I feel like, man, if I just keep this secret, if I keep it all inside, nobody will know that I'm messed up, that I don't have it all together, that half the time I'm just making it up as I go along. And it, if nobody sees my mistakes, nobody will know that I'm living life that way. And the funny thing is, everybody else is too. And so we've got to learn to own our mistakes. We've got to begin to get it out there because that's where responsibility starts. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And so again, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. If you're walking around and you're refusing to take responsibility for your actions, odds are you're trying to avoid consequences, right? We're trying to avoid consequences and we're trying to put on a front, like I don't mess up, like I I got it all together. And, And when we do that, you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to grow, You're robbing your relationships of the opportunity to grow. And instead of setting yourself apart in a good way, you've set yourself apart in a bad way. And you've stifled growth. You've stifled prosperity. You're no longer moving forward. You're moving backward. When we refuse to walk in responsibility for the things that we've done, we're slowly killing ourselves. We're slowly killing our lives. We're slowly killing our calling. And and we're doing the exact opposite of the thing that we would do if we would just step up and say, I've missed it here. I've messed up. And then have the opportunity to turn from the things that we've done and to pursue something different. And so a lack of accountability, it leads us to failure. It leads us to failure. And so look at your relationships if you refuse to own your mistakes. 10 out of 10 of those marriages in a divorce. That, that if you refuse to own your part, if you go through any relationship acting like you've got it all together and it's all their fault, how long is that going to last? And here's the thing, we look at other people and we recognize this, but when it comes to ourselves, we just ignore it and we pretend like it's not a thing. And we act like, man, if only everyone else would do what they need to do. And every time we do this, we're setting ourselves up for failure and we're killing the prosperity in our lives. And so what happens at work when you refuse to accept responsibility? How many of you have ever done that? You really don't have to raise your hand, but because um, all of our hands would be up, right? How many of you like the guy at work that refuses to take responsibility for things? Nobody, right? Because we all recognize it on the outside that that guy's no good. That guy's unproductive. I wish my boss would fire him. But, but we then in turn walk in it the same way. And so responsibility is saying, you know what? I mess up too. I miss it. I don't have it all together. And so responsibility starts with owning our mistakes. First to God, 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says this. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only full in ourselves and not living in the truth. So I'm going to stop right there. If we claim we have no sin, again, a sin is anytime we miss the mark, anytime we, we miss it, like what God wants us to do, those can be big things, those can, those can be little things. But if we claim we have no sin, that we have no failures, if we claim we've never messed up, that we're not missing it, that we're perfect, that it's everyone else's fault. If that's what you're claiming, you're only fooling yourselves. And so I want you to take a moment and evaluate your relationships, evaluate your circumstance. And if if that situation, the finger is just pointing that way, I want you to take count of all the ones that are pointing back because you've got something to own in that too. You've got something there. You've got to learn to take responsibility for that. You've got to own your part, own your mistakes. And so it continues and it says this, but if we confess our sins to him, that's to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar 
and showing that his word has no place in our hearts, that, that responsibility starts with owning our mistakes to God and saying, God, I've messed up here. Maybe I haven't been the husband I'm supposed to be. Maybe I haven't been the wife, the father that I'm supposed to be. I haven't been the employee. I'm not living my life the way that I should. And there's a part that I have to play in that, God. Please forgive me. And here's the thing about that. God doesn't turn his back on you in those moments. That when we come to him, when we approach him, when we lay it all out there, God, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and to welcome us back and to grow us. And in those moments, we find freedom. In those moments, we take back control. Instead of continuing to lose it, instead of continuing to poison ourselves, we have the opportunity to step up and to go farther than we ever would if we avoided it in the first place. And so taking responsibility, it starts with owning our mistakes. Again, first to God and then to your peers. And so I wanna share with you um, from James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And in James 5.16, this is what he says. And so he's teaching on the power of prayer. But he says this, confess your sins, to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That again, owning our stuff, taking responsibility, there's an element of it where, yeah, we've got to go to God and we've got to say, God, I've messed up here, but you've got to go to the, the people in your life too and let them know. I can pray to God all day long and tell him what a lousy husband I am, but if I never go to my wife and have a real conversation with her about it, it's never gonna be fixed, that I'm never gonna grow. Our relationship's gonna become stagnant or begin to dissolve. The same with my children, the same with my coworkers, same with the people I encounter in the community, that if we're gonna take responsibility, we've gotta own our mistakes, we've gotta seek God and repent, and we've gotta seek people and repent too, and we've gotta begin to own the things that we do. So responsibility starts with owning our mistakes, but is that enough to take back control? It's enough to go around and say, my bad, like, my bad, I'm, I'm sorry, and just keep on living, keep on trucking. It's not. Point number two is this. Responsible people seek to make things right. Seek to make things right. And so apologize for it, but seek to correct it too. Seek to correct it too. And so I want to share with you guys from the book of Matthew. Um, and so Matthew, it's one of our gospels. It's actually the first of your New Testament. So we have an Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament before Jesus, New Testaments, like the birth of Jesus and, and the early church. And so Matthew um, 5, this is uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, Jesus is um, here, he's teaching and he's dealing with anger. And in verses 21 and 22, he says this, as you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder, if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with somebody, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And so basically Jesus is saying, hey, unresolved conflict is bad. It's really bad. Like, like it's, we're gonna get angry, right? We're, we're gonna have conflict in our relationships, but unresolved conflict is really bad. And he continues um, in verses 23 and 24, and he says this. He says, if you were presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, 
Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And so to give you a little context here, the people that Jesus is talking to, they, on a regular basis, would go to the altar. That was one of the ways they were made right with God. That was one of the ways they communed with God. It was a different culture than we live in now. But basically, God is saying this. It's such a big deal that before you come to me, go to them and make things right. That as much as God wants a relationship with us, and to put that in context, God sacrificed his son Jesus to have relationship with you. That's a pretty big deal, right? If I gave up my child to have a relationship with somebody and made that type of sacrifice, the emphasis on that relationship should not be lost on you. But God's saying, before you come to me in those moments, you need to fix things between yourselves. That, That you need to fix the things that you're holding against people, the things that they're holding against you, that you need to begin to reconcile, that you need to make amends, that you need to to be responsible for your actions and endeavor to make it right. That's how big of a deal it is. And so again, he said, if you're um, presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And so... I get it. Some of you are like, man, I'm really justified. Like, you don't know my spouse. You don't know my situations. You don't know my story. You don't know what's been done to me, the hurt, the trauma, the pain, the abuse. You don't know what I've been through. I get it. I get it, man. I get justified pain. I've been through things too. I've experienced abuse. And I understand wanting to hold on to those things, but it's such a big deal to God. And um, he continues here in just a moment. Um, Well, I'll do it now. In verses 25 and 26, he says this, when you're on your way to court with your adversary, so this is your enemy, the person that's against you and that you are against, when you're on your way to court, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, say otherwise. otherwise. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid every last penny. Here's the thing. There's a couple things to take away from that. One, when we refuse to let go of things, even if we weren't guilty in the beginning, you're gonna fall into some type of guilt as you move on. Like you can't stay innocent in that. That if you refuse to take responsibility just by letting things go, and you were innocent in the beginning, as you hold on to that pain, as you hold on to that grudge, as you hold on to that forgiveness, in the end, you're guilty too. That, that you've moved yourself from just being a victim to you're gonna move yourself into to victimizing other people. Right. And, and you're gonna fall guilty of sin. You're gonna begin to miss it. And so we have to learn to let things go. And so great example of this. Um, again, I have lots of kids, um, half a dozen of them. And so um, we have lots of instances, but, but I know this, it's a funny thing. Kids fight, kids fight, kids fight. And it's, it's really funny. And the other child is never to blame for anything, never to blame for anything. And so they'll have these great offenses, right? These, these oh, awful things have happened to them. And sometimes, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're right. And so they'll come to, to myself or to Janelle with this great offense. And so in that moment, I'm, I'm kind of like judge and sometimes I'm jury and sometimes I'm executioner. Um, but they, they come to us with these things that have gone on. And, and because in these situations, they've overreacted or they've held on to things or maybe they did something they shouldn't have done, nine times out of 10, if I sit there and have a conversation with my kids, I can find guilt in both of them, right? Well, she hit me. Well, turns out you hit them first. Like, 
Or they did this to me. And then in their reaction, they did something to them. And that's a picture of what we do with, with our pain and the things that have gone on. I know for me personally, um, I, was, I was sexually abused as a child. From the ages of eight to 11, you know, I suffered a real abuse and that's an atrocity. And I had no blame in that. And that may be your story. Maybe you had a physically abusive parent. Maybe you went through sexual abuse. Maybe it was something else. And, and that's something that, that, that we're innocent in. But I refused to take responsibility for what happened next in those situations. And then I became guilty too because I held on to it. I held on to unforgiveness. I held on to these things. And you know what I went and did? I, I became angry. I became unjustified in my anger. I refused to reconcile. I refused to do this. And I became an addict. I became a thief. And I began making decisions. And, and the entire time, you know what I blamed for everything? That what had happened to me. Right. For almost 20 years... I blamed a, f a few moments of my life for every bad decision I made for almost two decades. And so when we look at taking responsibility, if we want to take back control, you don't have to take responsibility for, for that because that wasn't my fault. It wasn't your fault either. But the choices you made the next day were. The choices you made the next month were. Maybe the choices you're making right now, those are on you. And so taking responsibility, taking back control means we take responsibility for the things we've done, that we reconcile, that we seek to make things right. And then lastly, lastly, as we talk about taking responsibility, we've got to learn this. Um, point number three is this, take your medicine. Anybody ever heard that, take your medicine? Um, it's an older term, but it means you got you got to accept the responsibilities, the consequences, that, that the choices that you make Sometimes there's very real consequences for those choices, for those situations, for the things that you've done. And so if you want to be responsible, you've got to learn to take your medicine and accept the consequences for the things that you've done. And so you cannot be responsible and try to, try to dodge them. And so consequences, they're a good thing for lots of reasons, but I'm going to put it in simplest terms. Um, if I go touch my hot stove when I get home, I'm going to get burned a little bit. That's a consequence. And that consequence has taught me not to be stupid and put my hand on a hot stove. So we would all agree that that's a good thing, right? Same is true in our lives, that there's consequences for the things we've done. Sometimes it's trouble in your relationship. That's a warning sign. Get it together. Be responsible. That, that's a consequence before like the big consequence, right? And, and the things we do in our lives, I mean, whether it's being arrested or, or any number of things, that these consequences... Start off small, and if you're too thick to get it, they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually God's just beating you over the head and saying, man, open up your eyes, you dirk. <laughs> and so consequences are a good thing. We've got to learn to take our medicine. The apostle Paul said this in Colossians, Colossians 3.25, but if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done, for God has no favorites. God's a good God, a loving God, but God's a just God. And what that means is he can't turn a blind eye to the things we've done wrong. That, that you either have to accept Jesus and allow him to have taken that punishment, or you've got to own every bit of it. Now, that's on that side. On this side, we've got court systems. We've got, we've got systems to, to keep us accountable here. God may have forgiven you, 
people around you, maybe not so much. And so there's very real consequences for what we do. And so again, if, um, if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done, for God has no favorites. And so as we close up tonight, and I wanna share with you guys, um, the last, last couple of weeks I've shared with you from uh, 2 Samuel, the story of David and Bathsheba. Um, hopefully you guys remember that. A little recap, David, he was the one that killed Goliath. He was anointed to be the second king of Israel. Um, as he's in this moment, he kind of falls into some sin. He's walking on a rooftop and he sees beautiful naked woman, Bathsheba. He falls into sin, falls into adultery and impregnates this woman. Um, in his attempt to cover up this sin and his mistake, um, he, he calls home um, her husband, Uriah, from war. And he ends up in this situation where he's trying to like get him to go sleep with his wife so that nobody would be the wiser. He, he basically refuses and then David has him killed. And so here we have King David who was guilty of, of adultery and then he was guilty of murder. And so we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. Well, um, after this took place, um, because God is a just God and because God wants us to grow and take responsibilities for the things that we've done, um, God sends a prophet to him. Um, this prophet's name is Nathan. And so David and Nathan were actually friends. They had a long-term relationship. So if you're reading this, God didn't send a stranger to talk to David in this moment. This is somebody who had access um, to David's life. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verses one through four, this is Nathan. He shows up and it says, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle and the poor man owned nothing but one little lamb that he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up uh, with his children. It ate from the man's own table and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing um, an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. And so Nathan tells this story to kind of parallel what, what David was guilty of, of taking this other man's wife, because David was blessed. He was a king. He had a great many things. And instead of being content with what God had given him, he reached to the other man's table. He took that man's wife and then even murdered that man. And so Nathan tells him the story, giving David the opportunity to address the things in his life that he had done wrong. Um, and verses five through six, it says this, David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And so what David did is what we all do. Um, and is when other people refuse to accept responsibility, man, we've got like eyes like eagles for that. And we're like, man, that person's dodging the consequences of what they've done. And so David does the same thing in here because we're, we can always see other people's sins. We can always see other people's mistakes. But when it comes to our own, oftentimes we're oblivious. But Nathan... Um, <laughs> being the man that he was, he says this to David. He said, you are that man. And so in that moment, he, he addresses David's sin in a way that makes David address what he's done and makes David have to come to a crossroads. It was, am I gonna accept responsibility or am I gonna continue to dodge this? And so um, David, in verses 12 through four, or 13 through 14, he says this, then David confessed to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord um, Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for the sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt 
um, for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. And so, again, David had impregnated Bathsheba and, you know, covered it up with the murder. But in the end, um, there, there had to be punishment for what David had done. And so he ends up in this situation where he, he loses this child. Um, it's taken from him. I don't want to get into kind of the theology behind that, but um, the main point is that when we do stuff, there's consequences, and you can, you can own it, you can seek to make it right, but in the end, you may have to pay for it, that, that you may have to pay for it on, on this side, or if you refuse to accept what Jesus has done on the next, there's just things in our lives that we've done, and, and we've got to learn to own things. We've got to learn to accept responsibility. We've got to learn to accept the consequences, to learn from them, to grow, and to continue to pursue something different. One last thing as we close, I want to share with you um, a psalm. It's Psalm 32, and we're just going to do verses 1 through 5. And so this is a psalm of David. Um, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you Psalms 51, which was one that David had wrote during the same time. Um, David wrote this one during that same time too, and it says this, Oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what a joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And so when we begin to walk in the freedom that God's given us and, and the, the forgiveness that he's given us, it's such a joy. He says this though, a little later on, he says, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. That, that David tried to dodge responsibility for what he'd done. And in that he ended up compounding the things he'd done. He started in adultery and he leveled up to murder. And, and that's what happens when we refuse to accept things, when we refuse to, to receive God's forgiveness and be responsible. And when we double down on the things that we've done, we're just digging the hole deeper and deeper. And so David recognizes this. He said, um, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. All my guilt is gone. And so with the things that we've done and the things that we do, we've got to begin to take responsibility for them. And here's the thing. There may be consequences for what what you've done is you own it. But one thing's true in that, that when you begin to take that to God um, and say, God, will you forgive me? Every single time he will. That if when, we're, when we truly come to him and truly turn from what we've done and truly bring it to him, God is a just God, but God is a loving God. And he forgives us. He forgave David. And he forgives every one of us for anything that we've done if we're just willing to take it to him and, and bring it to him. And so... To recap tonight, to recap tonight, responsibility starts with owning our mistakes. And when we talk about responsibility, which is not fun, nobody wants to own the things that we've done, but we've got to learn to own our mistakes. Point number two, responsible people seek to make things right. That if we're going to be responsible in our lives, if we're going to be responsible for what we've done, we've got to seek to make things right. And then number three was this, got to take your medicine. You got to accept the consequences for what you've done. And then as you accept the consequences, go to God like David did. Seek forgiveness for what you've done 